Us. Stay up to date with the never-ending breaking news in the sports world on Greeny, featuring Mike Greenberg. Weekday mornings at 10 on ESPN Las Vegas, KWWN AM Las Vegas. In the morning, when you need the news that matters most. We have a constitutional right to publish this story. We are the fourth estate, and we will hold the powerful accountable. You need the front page. Wait, what's the fourth estate? Us, the press. And everyone knows that? On the press box. Because I feel like people always say the fourth estate, but they don't actually know what it means. I think everybody knows what it means. I thought the fourth estate was time. That's the fourth dimension. I thought the fourth estate was Georgia. With Graney and Bischoff. No, not state, a state. You thought I was saying we're the state of Georgia? According to Jim Trotter, USC boosters have reached out to Anthony Lynn. Lynn, currently the offensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions. He was 33 and 31 as the Chargers head coach before getting fired. I don't understand no. why anybody would want him at USC. He has never coached at the collegiate level, and it's not even like he's like a USC guy who went to Texas Tech. I, I I'm completely with you when I saw this name. You have coaches out there like James Franklin from Penn State and others they've mentioned that would make so much sense in terms of knowing the collegiate game, knowing recruiting, knowing the rules going in, hit the ground running, have no problems. And you're talking about Anthony Lynn, who couldn't get it done as a head coach and is now the OC in Detroit. I, I don't get this at all. Yeah. I, I don't get this name at all. There's not like an impressive resume. Like it's like, I mean, he's he's a he's a football coach. There's nothing wrong no, with Anthony yeah. Lynn, but it's not like there's some impressive resume that you're chasing. And I don't get this. The, the having never coached in college, I think, is always Absolutely. one of the things that sticks out as no. like. It's all about recruiting in college. It football goes the other way. To, it goes the other way too with Saban and Urban Meyer and all these guys who make the jump up. Right. It's just different. Yeah. So I, if they hired Anthony Lynn, I think you're looking around saying, "What the hell did USC yeah. just do? Like, what kind of like?" In all seriousness, they'd be better off hiring Lane Kiffin back than they would hiring Anthony Lynn. They would. Yes. <laughs> they yes, actually. Man. They actually would be better off. Can we start the? Can we like? No, because I wanted to say it, Ole Miss, Jared. I am not going to start that. Okay, I just, I want us to, like, somehow get picked up by, like, a random sports blog. Lane Kiffin? <laughs> Real quick, isn't this uh, the week you get the big team? They're going to beat Alabama. I'll, I'll have to do that's, a Bischoff's brief on that. That's, you should do a Bischoff's brief later I in the will. week about why they're going to beat Alabama. So, quasi-friend of the show, Spencer Hall, literally said you could keep the old Miss job in perpetuity as long as you're like oh. we annoy nick saban <laughs> oh no doubt about it oh there's no doubt win like seven or eight games every year and yeah oh lane kiffin this, could be there forever the best about the trotter tweet is the answer from lynn is he would be interested gee you think <laughs> i've never coached college but i get la with that recruiting base but i've never coached college so i'm just gonna i would not be interested. yeah i'd be interested in that job he calls Herm Edwards and Herb is just, yeah. it's just like, yeah, man, it's super easy. You just send all these young coaches out on the road. They come back with players. I was going to say, Herb could just tell him, just hire two or three dudes and you just got to hang out and talk to the media. I don't care about him. Next question. The Las Vegas Aces host the Phoenix Mercury game one WNBA semifinals tonight. It's at seven o'clock. It's on ESPN two. Uh, one update on Liz Cambage, who missed, what did she end up missing? Two, more than two weeks? More maybe? than two weeks. Um, after testing positive for COVID, she, Bill Ember expects her to play tonight, but in short 
spurts. So sounds like Liz Cambage will be a factor in the game, but not the same factor she normally is. I don't I don't think it should matter in this series. I think without Liz Cambage, the Las Vegas Aces, even if she wasn't playing at all, should still beat the Phoenix Mercury. Aces and three. Oh, look at you, a sweep. Best of oh. five. <laughs> Not aces and three. Well, that's two out of three. Aces and four. Aces and four. I'm giving Phoenix one. No matter what this series is, I'm giving Phoenix one I'm game. giving Phoenix zero. Aces oh, sweep. You're going sweep. Aces sweep. No three problem with okay. Phoenix. I will say another prediction. Connecticut and three. Because that Chicago team stinks. <laughs> Next question. Justin Fields. Andy Dalton. Or Nick Foles could start this week for the Bears, according to Matt Nagy. Can he just get fired? I mean, like now before the season ends? What was, the hell? What the hell? I was watching ESPN yesterday, and I just just one thing came to my mind. Nick Foles is on the. Is, I totally forgot he was on the Bears. <laughs> it's been so much about Dalton and Fields. Like I forgot who the other guy do, was. Do you not remember? Like there was a whole. Do they trade Nick Foles now that they've drafted? I you? remembered after I heard the name. I'm like, oh yeah, that guy's in that team. But Nagy, what? Now you've gone from Dalton's our number one no matter what to we're going to start Justin Fields. He completely gets destroyed. We're going to go back to Dalton. And now he's like, eh, we'll throw Nick in there too. Like, what are you doing? Here's what you do. You call up Philadelphia and you go, we noticed you didn't play that Minshew guy. We got a guy named Nick Foles that I bet your fan base will love. They'd love him. I The Chicago Bears are a disaster. Like the way, they've, oh. the way they've handled the quarterback situation is unbelievably bad. The way they... Just play called for Justin Fields in the game this weekend. Unbelievably bad. The Raiders, after five games, at worst, better be four and one. They better be. Because this team's coming here in two weeks. Oh God, imagine Nick Foles. Who would be the quarterback? Maybe Nick, Nick Foles would Nick be the Foles quarterback. Walks in here and throws for like 400 <laughs> yards. And we're just looking around like, Jacoby what? Brissett running, running on fourth down and getting touchdowns and stuff. We're just like, well, Nick Foles ends the perfect what? season. Going overtime. How, how many times have the Bears had like. At least one good, like one awesome wide receiver, and no quarterback. And no quarterback. To speak of. Yeah. I mean, how long has Allen Robinson been there? Allen Robinson's yeah. like led the league in contested catches for like four straight years, and he hasn't had a good quarterback yeah. yet. There was a point where they had Greg Olson, Alshon Jeffrey, and Brandon Marshall, and they were like, "We can't figure this out." <laughs> I mean, Jay Cutler is the best. Bears oh, and quarterback. they had Matt Forte. Yeah. I forgot. Cutler is the best Bears quarterback in the last. And maybe ever 20 years maybe ever Sid Luckman <laughs> Jimmy McMahon yeah was he, a while ago. Jim McMahon kept getting benched and for Walter Payton <laughs> yeah uh, who is the best Bears quarterback is coming Cut, I mean, Cutler's time yeah, oh my I gosh Cutler. it's Jay Cutler wow is he the top history three? wow <laughs> that says a lot oh you know I can't tell you that Richard Sherman is meeting with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He has still been unsigned through three weeks of the NFL season. Tampa Bay plays New England this week. Uh, Ian Rappaport alluded to the idea that they could sign him and have him ready to go for this week against the Patriots. Is he still good? Like, we still thinking Richard Sherman signs and plays in the yeah. same week and is a difference maker? Difference maker, I'm not so sure, but... We talked about it before. If you sell their defense, I'm not surprised they're going after him. Might as well see if he's got anything left. He's a five-time Pro Bowler. Might as well see if he can cover anybody. We yes. talked about it with the Raiders in the offseason. Remember, it's going to be Richard Sherman. He was here. He was here hanging out at pools and poolside. It's like, guy. Ah, he said he must be here for a reason. How did he not sign with anybody? I, I, I mean, he had some issues That's in the offseason. That's true. <laughs> that did happen. But he could have signed before then. Yeah. 
I don't know. It's just I, I think he would then be available right now to sign. <laughs> I just uh, you see Richard Sherman pop up, and it's it's a name. I just I'm curious if it actually makes a difference for Tampa Bay, assuming they end up signing. Did him. you know Josh Norman was on the 49ers? Uh, not until Sunday night or whenever. Yes, whenever I literally was. was like, no, Josh Norman's a 49. I didn't know that. Do you think they've slayed the dragon and now it's just a matter of uh, of cooking up some some supper? <laughs> what? Wrong button. Clay Thompson could make his return in January. So he had Achilles surgery on November 25th of 2020, meaning January would put him over a year uh, in terms of recovery time being back in a game. He's actually missed the last two seasons because remember had the ACL injury two seasons ago. Should we expect Clay Thompson to just come back as good as he was before? 90% as good as he was before? Like I'm kind of like we've talked about the NBA and like the Warriors could be a legitimate contender because Clay Thompson is back. But I guess should we expect him to be the same guy? I mean, didn't Durant have an Achilles? Yeah. And he's pretty good. Yeah. I think you can expect him until he proves otherwise that he'd be the same guy. I think he could. He'll still be able to shoot the you know what out of it. I don't know what other I don't know what kind of player he'll be though. So it's a bad injury. So for Clay Thompson, I think one key offensively is that he is a catch and shoot yeah, guy, right? And he has yeah. when he plays, it's some of the funniest stats where it's like Clay Thompson has 37 points. He dribbled the ball six times right, right. in the game. It's phenomenal. But I am curious, is he gonna be any good defensively? Like, because that's when the Warriors were the were the best team in the league for that four or five year stretch. They were also one of the best defensive Absolutely. teams in the NBA as well. Like the offense was, and he was terrific, and Clay Thompson was good. So, yeah. is he still like a good defender? That to me is more of a question than yeah. is he going to be good offensively? Because he'll even if yeah. he's even if he can't move as well, he can shoot. He's a great shooter, and I don't think that's going to have gone anywhere. So, how good is he defensively? And that might determine if the Warriors are a legit contender in the West or not. Because if you if you told me right now, hey, they've got Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. And they're at the height of their powers because Curry was awesome last year. I, that team can win playoff series against yes. anybody in the West. I don't think I, I necessarily favor them against maybe like the Lakers or something, but they can absolutely win playoff series. If Clay Thompson is 75% the defender he was, now you start taking a dip down. And it's like, all right, they're probably not legit Western Conference contenders. Wow. Sorry. Um, what I, meant. I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. So here's a fun trade. The Panthers and Jaguars made a trade yesterday. Uh, CJ Henderson, who the Jags drafted in the first round in 2020, uh, is going from Jacksonville to Carolina. The Panthers sent back a tight end named Dan Arnold and a third round pick. So the Jaguars turned a 2020 first round pick into a 2022 third round pick and a tight end. Urban just keeps doing well there. He just keeps uh, knocking it out of the park. <laughs> hey, it worked for the Rams. If you get rid of all your first <laughs> first round picks, you you start winning. I think you're supposed to get rid of the picks before you take the player, though. <laughs> oh, I think yeah, that's yeah. the key there. You're supposed to use those picks to acquire something better than a tight end named Dan Arnold. Was... The, only, the only benefit of the doubt I will give to Urban Meyer is that he did not draft C.J. Henderson. This was the draft before Urban Meyer actually came in. So it's not like Urban Meyer traded away his guy. It's two different regimes, basically, from that draft pick to Urban Meyer.
Let you gotta get your guy. Right. You gotta get your guy. We've seen that work out very well here. Uh, but it still doesn't look good to turn a first round pick in less than two seasons later into a third round pick and a tight end. Eight years last year before going in injured reserve, so he's got a, he's got injury issues. Yeah. yeah. Hasn't played a whole Okay. Still. Happy to move on to the to the next question here, Aaron. Zion Williamson had surgery on his foot. According to Sham Sharnia, he had a fractured right foot, but he should be fine for the season opener. Is it bad that when I read that, my first thought was, oh, no, his career is going to just be doomed. Like he's we're just going to have this Mm. conversation every year where he's hurt. It's not bad. It's understandable. His size and what he's done and how hurt he's been in the past and, and everything about him. Yeah, he could be one of those kind of like never reaches the potential because of his body and how it breaks down all the time. I would hate I don't that. Think, I would hate it too. And I hate that that was the first thought I well, had when I read that because I I'd hate it too I because he's Zion to be good. Well, because he's coming to Las Vegas with the team. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to hate it when he's here and we're supposed to cover Zion and he's not there anymore because he's hurt all the time. That'll Las stink. Vegas Zions. He's getting oh. traded to the Timberwolves? No. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> all right, coming up next. <laughs> Is Shohei Otani going to leave the Angels and join the Dodgers? You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Shohei Otani having one of the greatest seasons in MLB history, playing for a team that has no chance at making the playoffs, no chance at being relevant other than Shohei Otani highlights. And Shohei Otani gave this quote. I really like the team. I love the fans. But more than that, I want to win. I'll leave it at that. Uh, He also apparently has not talked to the team about a contract extension. He has two more years on his current deal with the Angels, which was effectively like his rookie contract when yeah. he signed with Major League Baseball or into Major League Baseball. Um, granted, there's two years left. The Angels could conceivably put together a team that makes the playoffs in the next two years and sort of change the narrative that, oh, they've got good players but can't win. But assuming they don't, assuming they are not one of the teams that make the playoffs over the next two years, Otani sounds like he's gone already. Yeah. I love this quote from Otani. Well, you're a Dodgers fan, and you probably think you're going to sign him. No, I don't no. think so, because I think he's going to stay in the American <laughs> League. But uh, as a, as we talked to David Roth this morning, like, Otani, he doesn't say much. Um, so he, for him to come out and kind of infer that, you know what, if you don't get better, I'm out of here, I think that's actually pretty cool, even with two years left on his deal. Yeah. Like, Artie Moreno, get the get – the, well, they'd have to get the checkbook out anyway, the amount of money this guy's going to uh, demand. I mean, in all seriousness, how much is he going to get paid? If he, because okay, well, what did Tatis get? Like three fifty, and he's not even a pitcher. I mean, no, yeah, I mean, he's he's four plus, right? So you're looking at you're looking at guys are getting paid, you know, in the thirty million dollars a year yeah. range when they sign mega deals right now, and for Otani, the, to be to be completely fair as to what's going to happen over the next couple of years, because there's still two years before he signs the next contract. I mean, technically he could sign it now, but there's two years until he's a free agent. He has not been this good until this year, right? There's, he's had a lot True. of injury concerns. Even his pitching before this year, he was not like right. top end of the rotation type of guy like he has been this season. He was a fine, slightly above average pitcher before this year. This year, he's been phenomenal. So I guess I think there is a fair question as to can he keep this up? 
can he be, you know, top five? Well, if five? he does, he's 400 plus. Right. If he could, if he does this for yes. two more years. Then he's 400 million. Like, if I'm Shohei Otani, I'm saying, listen, you're giving me 30 million as a hitter and 30 yeah. million as a pitcher. Like, where's my 10-year, 60 million yeah. a year deal is what I'd be talking about if I was Otani. So I'll be fascinated to see what he could get paid if he continues to do this. Maybe over the next two years, the Angels will do what they did in the last draft and pitch and draft only pitchers. So at the end of <laughs> when he's about to sign with someone, they're like, Shay, we have 142 <laughs> pitchers that we've drafted over the last few years. We're going to at least find five of those dudes who can pitch well enough to get us to the playoffs. Not I happening. Mean, <laughs> that was great last year. Who did you draft? Nothing but pitchers. Well, like, man, not one hitter, no. The best part of that was the quote where they were like, well, we were we were looking at guys, but then we just kept going, Eh, might as well grab a pitcher. Get a pitcher. <laughs> get a pitcher. He, you're right. If he keeps it up, 400. Well, now is Trout 400? Is he, did he hit the 400 mark? Uh, I don't remember I what Trout. I wonder if exactly. Trout was 400. That's always been kind of the key number. Like once guys starting to get 300 million, their first, their first, you know, statement. Well, who's going to be the first 400 million? Trout got 400, 400, okay. 200, 400, over 400 million dollars. Okay, I so he's the 400 talk, million. But his guy. was a 12 year deal, not a 10 year deal. So it still ended up working out. To, so he's not 40. Right, to less than 40 a year for Mike Trout. Um, so, uh, Well, if he me, keeps it up, he's getting more than that. Right, and that's the insane part here is who's going to pay that or, or how's that going to work out. I, I'll tell you this. I hate the idea of him going to the Yankees. Well, one of the ALs right. would, who would do it. Right, and that's like you look at it and say, oh, where yeah. would he end up? Who's, yeah. who's going to pay him $600 million? Yeah. Oh, it's the Yankees. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Giants make sense. Right, because of like how close he like it's just down the road, and there'd be a large fan base in that area that actually would show up. But do you? But to Tyler's point, do you go anywhere but the AL because you can almost not? I don't know if you're doubling your salary as the pitcher hitter, but you're certainly getting more. If you go to the NL, you go to the Dodgers are like, all right, so hey, get a bat. You know, I mean, you're gonna hit. You yeah. know, you're not gonna pitch, so you're gonna get this much money. I don't know why he'd ever it's, go to the National League if he can't do both. Why would you? I'm sorry. My problem is like, why wouldn't you just go? Yeah, your starts on Tuesday, and then you're batting third. Well, because he doesn't <laughs> play a position. Yeah. He's played like less than five games in his career in the outfield. First base isn't that hard. I agree with you, but they're not putting him there. I completely agree. But it's like when Shohei Otani plays the outfield, it's like, oh my god, they yeah. put him in the outfield. I would put I, if I was the Angels. I'd if I was the Angels, maybe not in the regular season, but if they actually ha- are ever in a playoff race or make the playoffs. Otani, when Otani pitches, Otani pitches, and he's going to left or right field because right. I'm not losing his bat. No, you can't lose his game. bat if they get to the playoffs. you got to so, find somewhere to stash him. That might be – Absolutely. I don't know if the Angels will be interested in it, but Otani playing in the field on a – maybe not regular basis, but a more regular basis, showing that, yes, he's a competent left fielder or right fielder or first baseman. That's probably important for Otani because that would open well, up the National League. Yes. Yeah, he'd have to Unless, prove he of can. Course, well, hell, the National League might – Add the DH before he well, becomes then he, a free agent. Uh, then absolutely, right down yeah. the freeway, my friend. Yeah, I mean, you right don't even have to mind. It's a couple legs. Listen, right down the if freeway. They, if they go to the DH, well, let's be honest. If they go to the DH, look, no matter what, how many? We're not even getting past one hand in terms of the teams that would afford that. Right. It's, so it's like it's here's three or four teams and pick one. Right. And by the way, people have talked about the Dodgers and other teams. He could have picked them in the beginning. He could have. So he didn't. So all these people saying, well, you could have gone there or there. No, you picked where you I, went. I think he got confused also because he kept going, the Los Angeles Angels, they play in L.A. <laughs> That's no. the blue team. No. All right, so I'm going to give you the highest payrolls in baseball this season. 
and tell me if this team would sign him. Dodgers are number one. Would they or could would, they? Would they sign him? I think they would. If I don't know if they can. Only if the DH gets implemented? Yes. If the DH gets implemented, they would. Number two is the Yankees. They'd sign him in a second. Number three is the Mets. I think Cohen would absolutely I make think, a yeah. run to He's sign out him. Of his mind. Even without He's the out DH. of his mind. He would they sign would, him. Well, like, he wouldn't even know they don't have the DH. <laughs> He, I think he'd be like, you know, yeah, pitch, hit, left field, you Why? can manage. I don't care. Why isn't that guy Someone our DH? Well, you're in how the a double league. switch works. <laughs> exactly. Me. Exactly. Uh, number, number four is the Houston Astros. Well, uh, you could say that. Our GM is now from Tampa Bay. I don't expect us no. to spend nope. more than $7 on a player no. the rest of his career. Number five is the Phillies. They, I'm they almost, spent some money. I've got to be honest with you. I'm almost shocked, and I know they... Kind of, you know, they did the uh, fire sale, but I'm almost shocked the Cubs aren't top five. Uh, where are the Cubs now? The Cubs are still 14th. Wow. After getting rid of everybody. They got rid well, of okay. everybody. No, when getting rid of everyone yeah. before that and in the World Series year, they weren't 14th. Uh, I'll, I'll go back and check okay. for you in a second. Um, I can't imagine Shohei Otani in Philadelphia. That does not feel like a personality. Match. I feel no. like there would be his own fans would be like, yeah, no, we we know what we call them. It's a term of endearment. <laughs> Uh, number six is the Boston Red Sox. Well, they pay. I don't know. Would they, they though? Because they, they took Tampa Bay's actual general manager might. and they've gone the money ball route. Yeah. They've gone like they're not supposed to be good this year. They I just assume if they good. would miss the playoffs or if they were taking a step down that he would kind of be too enticing. Number seven is the Angels. I think they'll obviously well, try think, to keep him. I think but, they'll want to. Yeah. Uh, number eight, San Diego Padres. Yeah. They got the I mean, state. They really can't do that because they already got their statue contract, according to AJ Preller, when he assigned to DC. This is a statue contract. You can't put more. Well, Tony Gwynn's already out in front, so you can't put more than one statue. Why not? You know how great I'd love Shohei Otani on the Padres. Be brutal. <laughs> That's why I wanted him to go to the Giants, so that way it yeah. was extra brutal, so that the Padres yeah. are still brutal with Tatis, they, but now the Giants are brutal as well. If he goes to the Giants or Padres, Jared will have uh, opening line, opening cuts for the show for, what, I don't know, four straight years? At least, at the very <laughs> least, if he goes to the Giants or the Padres, um, he'll play in front of more than just the Japanese media. Yes. Number nine, the St. Louis Cardinals. He's too fun. Uh, he, yeah. he wouldn't be a culture. Fans, oh, the fans would love that oh, guy. Word. As good of fans as they are, as good of oh, baseball fans. Yeah. Oh, my God. And the team with the 10th highest payroll this year is the San Francisco Giants. Oh, as much as I hate to admit what Jared said, I think they'd think about it. I think he'd be really popular up there. Yeah, I, He's going to be popular most places he goes. I think so. If we get the DH implemented in both leagues, I think there's a legitimate chance that Shoya Otani could go to a National League team and it could be yes. the Giants or the Dodgers or the, or Dodgers. the Padres, yeah. I think, you know, West. Because, I mean, I don't know if... Has he said that he wants to stay on the West Coast? No, I don't like, know if he said that. I didn't that, think but... he said anything until yeah. yesterday when he said, I want to win. I've never heard the guy say a thing. Well, that's why I was so excited when he not only talked yesterday, he actually kind of took a veiled shot at, hey, if you don't win, then I'm out of here. I thought, oh, that's pretty cool that he said that. <laughs> I mean, how much have you heard him really say? Jared, what year did the Cubs win the World Series? 16? Yes. Okay. I got to find the payrolls for 2016. I just, uh, I, I, the Cardinals is fascinating to me to watch that fan base the first time he shakes off 44-year-old Yadier Molina <laughs> and the fan base going, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> Swarm of red, booing him.
The Cubs, when they won the World Series, had the sixth highest payroll okay. in baseball. Eh, uh, Jared, I'll give you a guess. I Who was, was the highest paid player on that Cubs team? God. Wait, pitcher? Um, I, I want to go John Lester, but it, pro- it may have been. Kerry Wood on that team? No. Kerry Wood. Kerry uh, Wood. I, what? Uh, I don't know. Dusty Baker uh, managed Kerry okay. Wood. Well, then who would it have been? would it have been a pitcher? Of all the chaps? Well, okay. What are we doing? Are we doing like like all I, all I have is top salary. They just list the player with the top salary next to the team. Okay. So I then, don't know what to tell well, you. Well, I know it wasn't it wasn't Rizzo or Bryant because Rizzo yeah, was Bryant on a was team fr- friendly and Bryant had just gotten out of or he was still in arbitration. Um. Yeah, so I'm going Lester or Aroldis Chapman. It was Lester. How much? You almost, I don't know. I just have a name. Oh. I, I just have a name next six, to him. Top six, though. I, I got to be honest. I thought it was even I thought it was even higher. Yeah, might as well have been. It should have been. They're the Cubs. Come on, spend some yeah, money Yeah, that's for what once. I'm saying. They, they sh- you they bums? Sh- wait, okay, but once the ownership figured out, wait, people show up whether we, yes. they showed up for how many? 108? And we didn't. we didn't have to win? Right. We're idiots. Why did we try to win? Uh, the player that had the highest salary when the Astros won the World Series, Brian McCann. Wow. Team Every- guy. <laughs> Coming up next, Charles McDonald joins the show. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. Learn from it and move on. I feel this way after every loss. I take responsibility for... Um, how this game went tonight. I take responsibility for that. I'm going to learn from it, and I'm going to learn from it. We're going to be a better team from it. I believe that. You take your deuce. You don't You don't sit there and look at it. You flush it and move on. We're going to flush it and move on. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Joining us now from For the Win is Charles McDonald. You can follow him on Twitter at Four Verts. Charles, when you take a deuce, do you look at it? <laughs> Come on, Charles. <laughs> no, I, I usually don't. <laughs> you, know, you gotta flush it and move on, like uh, whoever that was said in that amazing soundbite. <laughs> Jalen Hurts after last night's game. Um, okay, give me give me an overreaction to Monday Night Football. The Cowboys are legitimate contenders in the NFC. True or false? Uh, I mean, although true, uh, just because anytime you have that collection of offensive talent and it's a group that's played together for a while, you've got basically, even as Mike McCarthy came in, uh, using the same offensive terminology, same offensive play caller. So one thing the Cowboys have going for them is just a lot of continuity to go along with their talent level. And, uh, you know, I think we saw last night that that offense can be, you know, pretty overwhelming for defenses to stop when, uh, all of it's clicking. And, I mean, they they should have had more than 41 because I think that they scored on that quarterback sneak that didn't come back. So, you know, you're talking about a team that is scoring basically on almost every one of their drives against the Eagles defense, which, you know, I, I thought the Eagles defense was kind of overrated coming to this week because, you know, they had a big boost against the loser Atlanta Falcons in week one. Uh, but for them to score, you know, 41 or seven, 48 points, you're scoring on almost every single drive. That's absolutely a Super Bowl contender. And, hey, the defense can play better than they did last year, which, uh, to me, it seems like they are. Uh, this is a, a a pretty good team and, and easily the best one in the NFC East. So we had this discussion earlier, and we don't want to go to just one moment last night when he didn't call a timeout with 151 left in the half. But put 
McCarthy in, in perspective, and we tried to think back at the Super Bowl with Rodgers, like, okay, was he really a good coach, or did they have, like, you know, Tyler pointed out the defense that had those turnovers. Like, what do you think of this guy as a coach? Uh, I don't know. I just think that he just kind of has to not actively ruin it for, <laughs> uh, for them to get where they need to be, which, look, I mean, it, 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 he's he's been blessed again to have, uh, an absolutely incredible offensive football team. I mean, Dak Prescott, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, those three wide receivers. Yeah, you're you, you, you don't have to do too much, but you can see last night like you're, you're not always maximizing what your team can do on the field, which is the alarming part. I mean, the the clip of uh, Peyton Manning getting upset with him not calling a timeout is going viral because look, you have one timeout left. 40 seconds to get down the field with, you know, all those offensive players that we've been talking about, you know, maybe you should put your foot on the, on the, on the gas a little bit more and, and keep this going because you never know when a team is going to have to have a chance to come back or anything. So just try to lay it on and score as many points as you can. And he doesn't always seem willing to do that, but you know, with him, just don't crash the car because all you have to do is just keep this going to get to the tough. Then we'll see, uh, you know, if he's actually an improved coach from a time of green day. What the hell happened with Justin Fields in Chicago? Uh, wow. I mean, I, I, so I, I was able to watch the game yesterday. And honestly, going into it, anytime you see like one sack or, or, or one yard uh, passing nine sacks for <laughs> 67 yards, my initial reaction was going to be like, wow, Justin Fields put on like probably the worst display of football that the NFL has ever seen. But uh, when I actually turned it on, uh, I think a lot of it has to go on Matt Nagy because, you know, they're sitting down in uh, five-man protection. So, you know, that's just straight up all five off the linemen uh, are blocking. Maybe you get like a little uh, chip from the back before he releases or a chip from the tight end. But, you know, five-man pass pro, just straight up off the linemen uh, going against the Browns defensive line. And, you know, if you've been paying attention to – uh, moves that Chicago made in the offseason, weird ones like cutting their starting left tackle or unfortunate ones like having their second-round uh, pick, Tevin Jenkins, to get hurt. They've come to a situation where their offensive line is not very good, and they decided to just kind of leave them on an island against a defensive line that has a ton of talent on it, mainly, uh, you know, Miles Garrett. I'm not sure if Matt Nagy has ever heard of him before <laughs> uh, Sunday's game, but, you know, when you when you are at a point where you're calling 39-year-old Jason Peters, who the Eagles moved to left guard last year, you know, Jason Peters said that he was basically on a boat and got a call from the Bears saying, we need you to come in. Three weeks later, he's blocking Miles Garrett. Yeah, I can imagine that that's not going to go well for you. And Matt Nagy, if you're in a situation like that where you have a rookie quarterback who is whose blind side is being protected by like a nursing home patient against an Avenger. Yeah. That might not go too well for you. So that, that's why, you know, Justin Fields, honestly, I just thought he did the best that he could and it wasn't good enough. And, you know, you even have plays where Jason Peters is like not familiar with their RPO packages and he's running right in front of where Alvin Robinson is trying to catch the ball and gets hit in the butt. And honestly, I wish that they had just called a penalty on that for, just the the aesthetic of him being five yards down the field and getting hit in the butt by a pass, it was all bad. It was all discombobulated. And when you when you kind of look at how much Matt Nagy failed him, uh, Justin Fields it is, of course, like you're going to end up with a game where you have one passing yards because you're starting your first NFL game against 
uh, a really good defensive line. Uh, Davion Clowney got in there and, and caused some havoc too. But uh, for the most part, you, you just can't leave these guys on an island when you're that outmatched. You got to help the backs or tight ends. And for some reason, Matt Nagy just did not do that. Is Ben Roethlisberger bad now? <laughs> yeah, he's been bad for a while. <laughs> uh, he, was, he was bad last year too, even when they were winning all those games, which is you know, wh- why it's funny that it, it, the Ben Roethlisberger thing is funny to me because it shows that a team's and I, I, you know, I think this is probably true for not just NFL teams, but just general walks of life. Like when things are going well for you, you have a tendency to overlook like what's bad and what can cause you an issue in the future. And I think that that's exactly how the Steelers have gotten to this point where they are right now, where, you know, if you were like, really paying attention to the games last year, Ben Roethlisberger was not helping that team uh, get to 12 and 0. Like he wasn't as bad as he was this year, but it was clearly you're, you're hitting a decline where he can't really throw the ball down the field. And maybe there's a thought that, you know, another year removed from this elbow injury uh, will help him get some zip back on the ball. But <laughs> he looks he looks worse than ever. I mean, I can't really, you know, I can't really think of a time where, you know, you watch a quarterback play and just by the way he moves, you're like, oh, man, this dude doesn't have it anymore. It, it's, it's, it's not even like the way that Drew Brees was looking where, you know, everything looks like normal Drew Brees until he has to let the ball go or, or, you know, he, he can't throw the ball as far as he did uh, as he used to. But when you watch big Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, not to be rude, but like he, he moves like a mannequin, like, like you see at the mall, like he, he can't get away from any pass rush or any pressure. Uh, the ball is, are really inaccurate, especially when they're being thrown to the sideline. And then the crazy thing to me is, like he's just putting his receivers in danger the entire game because he's throwing these lackadaisical passes over the middle that are just waffling through the air, which basically anyone can get to. And you're leaving Chase Claypool open the big hits, Judas and Schuster open the big hits, and then you get the ultimate washed Big Ben play where it's fourth and ten, and he doesn't even think about trying to throw the ball downfield, just dumps it off on a swing pass to Najee Harrison. Remember, it's a swing pass, not a screen pass, so – he doesn't have any blockers in front of him, and he's catching the ball three yards behind the back feet, behind the line of scrimmage on fourth and ten, and just gets crushed out of bounds for like a two-yard loss. That that's kind of where the, the Steelers are, and I I really think that if they're being honest with themselves, they'll probably ask for Big Ben to retire today, uh, but they're not, and they're going to keep this going, and it's just going to get worse and worse as the season goes on. Which NFL owner is more likely to eat a fish McMuffin, Mark Davis or Jerry Jones? Uh, I think I'll go with, with Mark Davis and only because I think that Jerry would let Mark eat her first so that he knows that <laughs> it's be acceptable or not to eat a fish McMuffin. But I, I think, I think Jerry is like just self-conscious enough where he wouldn't be caught eating a fish McMuffin at like <laughs> eight fifteen in the morning. But you know, look at, look at Mark's haircut. Look, he, he, he's, He's a billionaire actively walking around with a bowl cut. That's definitely someone who will eat a fish McMuffin to start their day and smell like a terrible like office workroom. <laughs> Are you a believer in the three and O Raiders? Uh to a degree. I mean, I'm a believer in the offense. I guess I still just want to see more out of the defense because I think that, you know, you look good for the most part yesterday and then, you know, Letting Jacoby Brissett kind of pull his way back into the game uh, towards the end is definitely a little alarming. But 
the offense I'm definitely a believer in. I mean, I think we've talked about it on here. I think Derek Carr has gotten to a point where uh, he's pretty underrated. I'm not sure if he's like an MVP candidate just because it's week three and that's kind of hard for me to parse out at this point. But uh, I, I'm, I guess I'll say tentatively a believer, but I just think that defense needs to play a little bit better uh, for people to fully get on board because, you know, like I said, you shouldn't be giving up a lead to Jacoby Brissett uh, when he's throwing for four yards or pass. Well, he is Charles McDonald at Four Verts on Twitter. Uh, read his work at For the Win. Charles, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Charles. All right, thanks for having me. Take care. Have you seen the fish McMuffin? No, that was a that was a new one. Man, yeah, somebody tweeted out just a picture from McDonald's menu, the fish McMuffin, and there's like, tar- I, guess, I guess that's tartar sauce on it. I oh I yeah, don't know. I mean, I back in the day, uh, the fish fillet was actually pretty good. I mean, I think it's still technically I mean, pretty good. I don't think anybody has a problem with you eating the fish fillet from McDonald's. I think it's the, the McMuffin part, the, the breakfast mm. part, the fried fish on a McMuffin with the tartar sauce, with tartar sauce. And one of them has an egg, egg fish. Ooh. Yep. Nope. I'm out. Egg I'm fish, out. tartar sauce, McMuffin. Like I like I love McDonald's McGriddles. I just oh, had one this morning. They're delicious. I would not eat one with fish on no. it. No. <laughs> like, I've had I've had the the bacon one, the sausage one. They've even done a spicy chicken one. Spicy chicken one wasn't. It's fine. Have you had the fillet of fish? Yes, in the past. Okay, yes. not, not in a long time. That right. was like in high school right. thing. But yeah, it's I. Uh, have you ever? Uh, I probably can't say this word on the air, so I won't say it. But have you ever had or heard of? You get the the McDonald's. You get the McDouble. You get the McChicken, and you get the fillet of fish, and you stack all the meats onto one sandwich and eat it at the same time. No, you I ever heard of that? I haven't okay. had that. Yeah, can't say the name on the air of what people call that, but uh, yeah, I've had that once. You've before. done that. Yeah, wasn't you had it? to buy them all, or they just they sell it like that. No, no they do not sell it like that. You not have to buy all, all three yeah, sandwiches. Yeah. You got to buy all three, and then I mean, listen. Oh, I mean, when you... I was in high school, they were all like a dollar. Yeah, that's true. Okay, yeah, right, so right. it's like three dollars, and okay. you, you know, you throw away some stack bonus. it up. Yeah, you stack it up, or and you go. Can I get a McDouble? Add. Filet of fish. <laughs> add, add fish. Add yeah. fish. They might kick you out of the McDonald's if you try to order it like that. Although they do have the touchscreen menus, you might be able to do it on the touchscreen menu now. I've, okay, so there was when I worked at Wendy's when I was like fifteen, we used to literally just be like, we'd have people come in and like, all right, well, I want this, but I don't really want this part of it, and we're like, all right, so what you're gonna do is you're going to get this. Add regular bun, minus tomato, minus mayo, add extra meat, subtract this. We just made you a Baconator for $2. <laughs> and with a Frosty. Well, no, because they had the little thing where you get the free, the little keychain where you get the free Frosty. <laughs> All right. Coming up next. Oh, I got to tell you guys about a fake horse that just sold. Do you want to schedule a parent-teacher conference after hearing Grainy's grades? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and let us know who deserves a higher grade. I'll hit the crossbar. I did, and it sounded like what I feel like my stomach was doing just uh, just dropped inside of me, and I'm thinking that I just didn't have enough to get it there. And sure enough, it bounced the right way. You know, after having a couple of doinks in recent memory for myself that didn't go my way, uh, to have that one yesterday afternoon work in our favor is definitely a, a good feeling. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. Is doink the official word for when the ball hits the upright now? 
doink, or I guess the crossbar in this case. Like we had the double doink with the Bears, right? But like now we're just using doink. Even in a good, this is a good doink for the kicker. We just got to use doink when it hits the crossbar or the upright. Don't ask me. I'm still very disturbed by the drop in the deuce and uh, not looking at it. Don't so look at that it. was very strange. Don't it was a great comeback it. from Jared to come back to the commercial. And, and well, then the we'd come back with it, and then Ty was like, please be joined now by. <laughs> I just, I also enjoyed. Do you look at it? And he'd be like, I don't know who that, who said that. <laughs> Jalen Hurts. Great quote. Um, all right. <laughs> You want you want a fun fact about my fake digital horses? Well, unfortunately, not my fake digital horses, but a fake digital horse sold yesterday for one hundred and six thousand dollars. Just one, all by himself. Danish dynamite. Danish dynamite. Never been raced before. But he's a Z one Z one Nakamoto Genesis Philly, which is wow. as good of a description as you could possibly get for a horse. If you were going to buy one, that's as good as it gets. Now he might end up sucking. Uh, that could happen, and that would be a very poor investment for $100,000. Uh, still has not been raced despite being bought uh, yesterday. So someone buys him for 106000 and they're going to wait to run him. I wonder what they are waiting on. I don't know. Maybe they're just going to breed. I don't know, though. But this uh, horse has never, never raced, never bred either. So somebody bought this horse for... Because uh, it's purple? <laughs> maybe. Somebody bought this horse for maybe... Five thousand, six thousand dollars, and now they've turned around and sold it for a hundred thousand wow. dollars, something like that. I have to go back and look at what the prices were when they originally dropped these horses, but yeah, turned that into a hundred thousand dollars. We have not talked about fake horses in a while. Um, I'm still kind of not confused, but I understand the concept. But when you run your horses, and obviously the horses that win more are worth more, I get that whole point of it. Um, they don't like like they 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 got this horse for one hundred six thousand dollars. That doesn't mean when they start running him because he costs that much, he's gonna do he's gonna be great. No, not at all. Okay, no. that that's horse my, could be terrible. Okay, horse could be absolutely right. awful. That's my question like to you that. because yeah. you're taking. I mean, it's one hundred six grand for a fake horse. So I can't even get into that reality. But the reality is, he has no idea or right. she oh, whoever yeah. spent this money. Oh yeah, the horse is. I mean, the horse is probably gonna be decent at worst. Like it's it's unlikely that the so it's. Again, it's a Z1. The numbers go 1 to 268. A 1 is not guaranteed to be better than a 2, but more often than not, a 1 is better than a 2. It's got the best bloodline out of 5 or 6 bloodlines. It's got the best breed type out of 5 or 6 breed types. And again, there's no guarantee. It's just got the best possible genetics or whatever you want to call. But right, the horse is probably going to be at worst fine. But it might just be fine. It might be as good as our fake horse. Like, it's, it's fake chance. horse could be this good. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, this, this horse might be just as good as our one of our horses, which would be a nightmare because none of our horses are worth a hundred thousand no. dollars. Well, if you guys want to buy one, we, we're not going to say no. So <laughs> yeah. you want one for a hundred thousand dollars? Jared and I will discuss that after Let's the show. Of which yeah. horse we're buying? But yeah, so hundred thousand dollars for a fake horse and probably a bad investment at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, it's just there's nothing guaranteed. Yeah. Like it's maybe you be... don't run it though because you spend 106,000. Would you just breed it? Well, you could breed it, but then you're gonna it's gonna take a long time to make back 106,000 dollars because you're right, you're not breeding the best horse anymore. You're breeding, you're breeding a horse worse. no one knows about. Um, in all honesty, they're probably better off just holding it and just waiting and hoping that the value of this game rises and in a year or two moving it sell it for two hundred thousand dollars or maybe more than that or whatever it ends up being i think that's that's probably if their if their objective is to simply make as much money as possible on this purchase that's 
probably their best interest. You're saying this horse could eventually be sold for 200000 and have never run a race. It's possible, yeah. I mean, if this game continues to exist and continues to be popular, an unraced horse with the best possible genetics is always going to be valuable.